So, that was the Dharma talk. (laughs) And this is part two. Has anybody figured out how to control life? Has anybody figured out how to control life? No. Has anyone figured out how to control their meditation practice? No. What's that? Ah, uh, thank you for asking. Actually, I prefer that you wouldn't lie down. Yeah, I would prefer that because if you lie down, I'm going to want to lie down. There won't be any Dharma talk. So, you know, you come in, you sit down, you're expecting to get an inspiring talk to get you on a fast track to enlightenment, right? Let's, let's be real. Some lady with white hair says, let's get up and do the hokey pokey. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, really, in life. Right? I mean, do you? Do you know really what's going to happen in the next moment? No. You know, and that's not just the right answer. That's not just the right answer. All you have to do is close your eyes for five seconds, and you know that answer. We don't know. But we want control, right? We want to have a really good sitting. Who doesn't want to have a really good sitting? Even the adults aren't raising their hands. You know? We want to not hurt in our bodies. We want to sit perfectly still. We want our body in a full lotus position. We're not going to move an inch. We want to have thoughts of love, peace. Actually, we'd like to have even no thoughts, just drift off into eternal bliss. So we try. We sit on our cushions. We try to sit a certain way, we try to pay attention to our breath, we follow the instructions to the best of our ability, and what happens? We get frustrated. You know, we don't get what we want. We want that really good sitting. And, and part of it is we want to banish those thoughts, don't we? We want to just banish those nasty thoughts. You know, the ones that say, I'm not good enough, I could do this better, if only I were smarter. If only I weren't so smart, if only I were thinner, thicker, maybe a different gender, maybe if I had a different kind of life, if only, if only it was different than how it is, then, then I'd get it. Then I'd never come late to a meditation sitting ever again. doesn't happen, does it? It really doesn't happen that way. Or we have, you know, we have a sitting that actually feels quite sweet, quite nice. There's actually some, some peace in it. We think, well, I got it. No, I got it. I got it now. I mean, this could really be enlightenment. You know, I think this is it. This is really peaceful. And, or this is like the best metta that I ever had. 
you know, I, metta is fabulous, and then just wait till the next metta sitting and you're going out of your mind, you can't stand it. What happened? You must have done something wrong, right? Isn't that where our minds go? What did we do wrong? How, how can, why can't we get it to how it was? We think we have control. And my friends, this is why it's so difficult to come into this hall. Somebody was saying to me, it's like meditation boot camp. <laughs> you know, in one way, it, you know, it, it, I'm sure it does feel like, like that. There's not, there's not an option. Really, let's think about it. Let's be serious here. If we said, you can come on the retreat, we're going to have discussion groups, we're going to have music, we're going to have workshops, we're going to hang out, we're going to have some meditation, but the meditation is optional. <laughs> Who would come in the meditation hall? You go, you go. I've got about three or four hands there. Five, six. Oh, now we want to look pretty good. Let's all raise our hand. (laughs) You know, if I asked a group of adults that, they probably would also agree that it would be hard to come in the hall. Maybe not long-time meditators. Just because meditators, people have meditated for a long time, They they know the results of it. So they keep coming back. But if it was a new group of people who haven't maybe meditated yet, that you bet, like, oh yeah, I'm going to get a cup of tea. You know, and there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be here. As a matter of fact, is there anyone in this, in this room that hasn't had at least one moment of screaming in your head, ring the bell? <laughs> you haven't? No, not this, not this. All right. <laughs> well, enjoy it. Yeah, it's nice to notice that sometimes. Oh, it's just not, it's not like that kind of pressure. But why is it so hard to just sit down and try to sit a little bit still? Or why is it so hard to just pay attention to our minds? Or the breath? Or sound? Anybody? Want to try to answer that? Why is that hard? Because your butt is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that might make it hard to pay attention. But then, of course, what do you hear from the teachers up here? Just notice the uncomfortable butt, right? It's 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 not about not noticing, right? I mean, do you hear a lot of unique things from our mouths? It's pretty much. What? Pay attention. Yeah. Um, I, I think like as life forces, but we're never really taught um, as often to like just sit down and like feel our and ground ourselves. I think like we always have to be doing something. But when we actually take like a good chunk of a day and really, really dig deep, it, it can be challenging because we're not always used to that. Like in school they never they'll never like tell take a part of the day where you're supposed to yeah that's really that's that's wise yeah it's we're not used to it did you want to add something yes yes you I just don't know your name oh Mariah you just have a different shirt on hi Mariah go ahead
We're human and... Perfection is only a goal. Yes, it's kind of a goal in our minds because what? how is it possible to be perfect? Of course, you know, the paradox is that everything is perfect because it is. How can anything be not what it is? It's not possible. It's not possible. And yet we really work, you know, like, you know, ants, we work, we build, we try to get it a certain way. You know, we, we want to feel good. We want to feel good. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good. Everybody wants to feel good. But what happens is what we miss, and this is why we say it's mandatory to be in the hall. What we miss is that We can't always feel good. It's not possible. That is not life. You know, when you're sick, you don't feel good. We get sick. You know, when you when you have a fight with one of your family members or a friend, or you go through a breakup, or you want to be in a relationship and you're not, we don't feel good. That doesn't feel good. But, you know, can we do something about it? Is it possible to never feel angry? Is it possible to never feel sad, hurt, ashamed? If it were possible, someone in this room would say, I never feel those things. But that's not true. We all know those feelings. We know the, the deep pain of feeling ashamed, of feeling, it, I am not okay. It's like you just want to disappear. Or we know the burn of anger when someone has really pissed us off. And maybe we're so angry at them, we even feel like we could kill them. Right? Well, hopefully no one has tried that. Um, I know that sounds funny, but I actually mean it. Because people do try it and succeed in it. Simply because they weren't aware it was just anger. Or maybe it was just rage. You can even pay attention to rage. had this whole like funny bit and I completely (laughs) just skipped into the serious stuff Um, but you know it's how often do we get to have conversations like this you know not very often not very often you know there isn't anything wrong with wanting that's that's you know you hear things you know hear about you hear talks here about desire and wanting to feel good, I'm talking about that, and the implication is that, you know, it's tricky business, why is it tricky business? Because we can't always feel good. But you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting, it's part of being human. I mean, you wanted to come here, maybe. (laughs) 
I think a lot of you who've come back, you know, you, you must, you, maybe you remember a lot of the fun parts, but, you know, you, you know it's not easy to sit here in the hall and you came back. Why? Why? Anyone want to answer that? Not used to doing it on a daily basis. So, but why would you want to do it at all? Mm-hmm. It feels right. I'm hearing it feels right. Okay, I'm going to ask someone who hasn't spoken yet. Go ahead. Yeah. This is part of that. Yeah. This contributes to that, doesn't it? Yeah. Lily. Yeah. Further our being happy, maybe. Maybe we could even say that. Further our being okay, more okay, more at peace. Kaylin, what were you going to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Okay, one more. Um, I feel like it's a way to um, become centered and, and peaceful and okay for, for the most part without um, material things or any, you know, any exterior thing. You kind of just need to sit somewhere, mm. which is really amazing. Thank you. It's a way to become peaceful without material things. You're just reminding me, um, you know, as I'm sitting listening to you all, I I kind of think probably maybe I could be wrong. You have no idea how courageous you are. No idea. I taught uh, in, uh, with some some of you were there at a retreat in Andover, a team retreat this past uh, New Year's. And um, one of you who's here, you know, came to see me individually. And I, I don't know why, I just ended up t- talking to her about cell phones. Because I just think it's, like, so amazing. You just, like, hand over your cell phones. I'm not so sure adults would even do that. But you do. You know, maybe, you, we, maybe that's because we're adults and this is what you're being told to do, so you do it. But, you know, you could, you could have said you left it home. You know, you hand it over. And you know, you know how much your everyday life is dependent on cell phones. Technology. I mean, there's a lot of great things about technology. I couldn't figure out Chaz's computer, so I have stuff written on my iPad. You know? There's a lot of good things about technology. One of you said, when I mentioned about cell phones, and I said, oh yeah, it must be hard without your cell phone, she said, I am so relieved. I am so relieved to not have my cell phone. And I said, why? And she said, because most of the time when I have a conversation with someone, somewhere in the conversation, 
they go like this. We all know what it feels like when you don't feel listened to. Anyone in here not know what that feels like when you're talking and someone just answers their phone? It's become part of our way of being. And you know, it's not just, it's not just young people, it's not just you guys. It happens, it happens with adults too. And then sometimes we feel kind of shy because it's such a norm. We start to feel a little shy or scared to say, could you please not answer your phone right now while we're in this conversation or in this meeting? Now that's different if someone says, I need to let you know at the beginning of the meeting or the beginning of the conversation, you know, there, there's, I'm in the middle of an emergency. You know, that's very different. But we, we used to do, we do that with landlines too. If the phone rings, you know, you excuse yourself. But it's so accessible. It's like we're having communication with what? When here's another human being right here. And how do we really know whether we're ever going to see that person again? Really? I mean, we would freak ourselves out if we thought about that every minute. But once in a while, it's actually a really useful reflection. So you are really courageous. It is a big deal to actually not have your cell phone, to not have your technology, to unplug. I mean, you, you, you grew up with it. So you are doing something so radical here, and look at how you just answered those questions. You're not saying, yeah, yeah, I don't really know why I'm here. You know, or I don't, you know, and maybe if some of you feel that way, I don't mean to be poking fun of that. It's actually really fine to not know. You're still being curious. You're still being interested. But so many of the questions were actually quite clear. You know, this had an impact on me. There's a cause and effect. You know, I remember, remember um, s- someone saying to me once, you know, I really like the um, meditation camps. Um, but, you know, I kind of wish that we could just do everything else and not do the meditation. That's kind of the worst part. And... You know, what would happen if we didn't do the meditation? Like, what happens if we don't, as one of you said, if we don't slow down? If we don't take time to just slow down in our lives and pay attention? We, we just, we're just like a hamster on a wheel, you know? We're just on the run, looking for something good. You know, and it's just, it's, just, it's just part of our human nature. We don't want to face what's difficult. It's not because we're bad people. I mean, the, the Buddha talked about this, a monk, an Indian monk, 2,600 years ago. How did he get? You know, it was, he, he understood the human mind. He said, this is what happens. This is how we're wired. We're wired to feel good. We're wired to push away, try to control, get rid of what we don't like. Has anyone been successful with that? Getting rid of what we don't like. What happens when you try to get rid of what you don't like? Does it get better, worse, or stay the same? Worse? Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes it stays the same. 
Depends on the situation, wise answer. Hardly, though, does it get better when we try to get rid of what is. We're just in a battle with what is. Yet, the courage it takes to face not having control, to face not getting it how we want it, to face pain in your knee, to face pain in your mind, to face, you know, self-hatred just rolling along. You know, that's hard to stay with. That's enough to want to just get up in the middle of a session and say, I don't even care. I know a staff person's going to follow me out. I'm just out of here. I'm not saying anything about anyone having to leave. You know, some of you have to leave if you're feeling really sick. You know, you really have to use the bathroom. Or sometimes you feel like you're going to explode. It feels unbearable. And yet, wow, you didn't go home. You hung out with a staff person. Maybe practice with them a little bit and you're back in the hall. What happened? How come you're back in the hall? You know, somebody was telling me a story today that, you know, really peaceful meditation this morning, really lovely, lovely, and then this afternoon came around and, you know, it was three o'clock sitting and it was like, he was going to explode. Like, everything was awful for, you know, on and on and on awful. And all of a sudden, the bell rang and it all went away. And he didn't say to me, it all went away because the bell rang. He said, there it was, and there it wasn't. And he was really interested in that. He found it funny. You know, when we we stop believing our minds, or we see that it's kind of like a dream. It's kind of just like, you know when you wake up from a dream, or maybe you've you've fallen off a cliff, or, you know, you're being chased, or let's just say you're having an unpleasant dream. When you wake up, it's such a relief, isn't it? It's such a relief. It's like, oh, that was a dream. And we're waking up all the time out of the dream. Out of the dream of, you know, we can fix ourselves. We can fix life. We can get it better. We can self-improve. We can feel good all the time. Isn't that what being spiritual is about? No. It isn't. It's actually about courage. It's about feeling like it's like letting yourself like just fall apart sometimes it's about grief it's about fear it's about love it's about life you know what we're doing here is like paying attention so carefully and learning We can't get it how we want it. Sometimes it's pleasant. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it's just spaced out. And that's how life is. We can't control it. And then we start to realize, you know what? If we can't control it in here, maybe there's a lot out there we can't control. And if we really can't control it, then are we really the thoughts that come through our heads? If everything else is coming and going, we really can't grab onto it. Why do we grab onto thoughts? Why do we grab onto thoughts and say, this is me? You know, I'm a really anxious person. That's who I am. So who are you in those moments when you're not anxious? Who are you? 
Or I'm a really angry person. Well, who are you when you're not angry? Is that not you? And the angry you is really you? You know, we really start to think this, you get very confused. Right? Because we want to kind of fit ourselves somewhere. And we really don't fit. Why? Because it's always changing. If you start to pay attention to thoughts, really pay attention to thoughts, they come and go just like the rain comes, the thunder comes, and now the sun's here. That's natural, right? Thoughts are like that. They come, you know, they're like a storm, like a storm of just Either I hate me or I hate you. Or maybe it isn't even that bad. Maybe it's just like low-grade, like, what's the point? You know, unpleasant. You know, and then sometimes she's like, wow, it's kind of quiet inside right now. It's feeling good. It's feeling peaceful. You know, or you had a conversation with someone. Maybe you had a lousy sitting. And then you walked out in the hall and somebody opened the door for you. And your heart just like, breaks open. Like you want to just get down on your hands and knees and kiss their feet, right? Because your heart is so open and that kindness just goes right in. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's being alive. We're just trying to wake ourselves up from the dream, from being asleep. Then we wake up and it, it's, ooh, it's big. We need each other, you know. That's why we come here. Many of you said that we need, we need the, the company, the company of other people who are saying, yeah, you know, I, I, I yes, I can't just do the robot thing. It's just not me. Now, I'm not suggesting that we are all so high and mighty in here and everybody else out there is lost. Please don't interpret what I'm saying that way. As a matter of fact, there's some events that have happened recently in our larger community that are worth contemplating. Um, And one way I'd like to lead into that is by saying... um, who here in the last two years has had someone that you know die? Yeah, that's most of us, almost all of us. Right now, um, as we sit here together, a friend of mine uh, from high school, we were friends, same age as you all, is dying as we speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you all now that I'm devoting this talk to her. I didn't get a chance to see her because she wasn't feeling well. Um, and she just got, very recently, uh, got a cancer diagnosis, like in May. She had like not very long to realize her life was going to be very short. Um, her name is Andrea. And Andrea was a basketball player in high school, tall, white girl, tall. She had like a big nose, glasses, and her nickname, she was called Big Bird because she looked like Big Bird. And uh, she claimed that, you know, I don't know if somebody was teasing her once, but she claimed that as her name. As a matter of fact, she came this past winter to, um, I I lost my dad in uh, February, and she came to the wake and she signed it Big Bird. 
So this one's for Big Bird. One of the things that she said to another friend when um, they asked her about just, you know, how she was dealing with all this, she said, she said, I had a good life. She said, I took care of my mother, both of her parents. uh, She cared for them as they were dying. I took care of my father, my grandmother. She worked for the post office, played the piano, took photographs, and she was going to run um, the, a triathlon in Antarctica. She's 58 years old. And the way she was going to do that was you train by going, running in a freezer. She's just like totally full of life. Last time I saw her, she was joking. And she was a very humble person. I just hope she knows how much I admired her. How I do admire her. Whenever we get the opportunity to tell someone in our lives what they mean to us, take it. Take it. A group of people a few weeks ago at a church in Charlestown, South Carolina, opened their doors to a stranger who wanted to come in and pray with them. Most of us know what happened on that Wednesday. When you talk about the mind, what what happens in a mind that believes people should die? And that people should die because of the beautiful, beautiful color of their skin. That's insanity. That's hatred. And I wish I could say that was just that deranged person. Well, it was. There's actually a culture of hate. And what happened in response to that, from the family members, from the community of Christian brothers and sisters who prayed in that church, what happened in their response? Forgiveness. they They don't need to come to a meditation center. And they are our teachers. And they forgive because they're wise, because they understand the kind of suffering in a mind that can hate. And they're wise because they know that the only way to freedom is love. It's the only way. And that includes forgiving ourselves, my friends. That includes that. You know, when you let yourself down, 
they can forgive a killer, you can forgive your self-hatred. If they can forgive a killer of their loved one, then I can forgive my brother for not remembering my birthday. And on that very same day, that minister and that senator was buried, and President Obama spoke at his funeral, gave a eulogy. The United States Supreme Court approved the marriage of same-sex couples in this country. So there's hope for this planet, folks. You know, that law says to me, I know it in my heart, but it says to me in terms of this country that my marriage, my 35 years of marriage to my wife is just as legitimate and valued and dignified as any of my colleagues up here who are married to someone in the opposite sex. That's an important message, isn't it? That's a message of love. That's a vote for the planet. So, you know, are we here just for ourselves so we can feel better? Or are we here because we want our planet to survive? Because we want people to survive? Because we know somewhere already in our hearts and minds that the only truth in life is love. There was this poet that uh, Eddie spoke, spoke of last night, a poet called Rumi, many of you may know, was around and lived in 1200. Rumi was a lover of life, I would say. And this is what Rumi said about feelings and thoughts. He said, this being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably, all these feelings, that guest may be clearing you out for some new delight. It's counterintuitive to say yes to what's happening in our experience, but what happens when we say no? What happens when we turn away from our own experience? It's just more suffering. It's another form of hatred, really. We don't mean to be doing that, but it's habitual. And so when we turn towards and say, I can be there for this, I can just be with it, Maybe I can be with it with kindness. Maybe I can be with it with wisdom and realize, well, it comes and goes, so how can it possibly be me? It's a visitor.
You know, another story I want to tell you is um, is right here in your your own community. We um, back in um, again in December we did an exercise called uh, Crossing the Line. Some of you might be familiar with it, and basically it's an exercise to really look at. Mm, life, <laughs> to look at um, kind of the ways we've had privileges in our lives and the ways that we haven't. And so often you're asked to like take a few steps forward if let's say you've been able to have an education or get paid for college or have a car or um, live in a home, maybe have parents. Some of you here may not even have parents. And then you take steps backward, like say if your family didn't have money, if you sometimes had to miss a meal, um, if you were uh, um, treated poorly because of your skin color or your sexuality. And one of the people, and as, you, as these questions get asked, the, the line which starts like this goes like this. So that some people are moving to the front and some people are moving to the back. And I can tell you for sure the people that are moving to the front are in agony because they know what's happening behind them. And then at one point at the end of the exercise, the instruction is that everyone, the front people have to turn around to the back and they look at each other. And one of the people who was so far in the back, he kind of was up against brick wall really he looked at people in the front and he said I'm happy for you what? you mean that's possible? thank you thank you for reminding me that that's possible You don't know how courageous you are. You don't know what a force you are in this world just by coming here, just by being willing to pay attention, just by being willing to say to yourself, it's okay, honey, it's okay, it sucks right now and it's okay. I forgive you, I love you. Just when you can say that to yourself, you are changing the world. One of you asked today, is it possible? Is it possible to, my translation was to, you know, sit there and have a sitting and, what, what, how did you say it? Was it? You asked that question, was it like in peace? You did? Yeah. What was the question you asked? Oh, have you been able to pay attention the whole time? I guess I might say, I'm not so sure about that. But my translation of that question is, is it possible to experience peace in your life? Not just like a little bit, but maybe more often than not. No matter what the circumstances are around you. That's a tall order, isn't it? If someone in your life has died, if you've lost a job, if you're having trouble with your family. It's 
hard to imagine feeling peace. When we can slow down, show up, and say yes just to this moment, just to this moment, because that really is all there is right now, is just this moment. If we cannot be in a battle with this moment, and however it is, in our minds, in our hearts, around us, we will know a peace that is surpassed by nothing else. And yes, my friend, yes, that is possible. Let's sit together. This is from Mary Oliver as you're just sitting with yourself now. It's called The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle, and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And if you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, to turn your attention to this moment with complete acceptance. That, my friends, is a life well lived. May the fruits of our beautiful, effortful practice here bring peace to this hungry world.
so beautiful. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.